Hello and welcome to The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast that asks one mum and one dad their thoughts on the events of the week with a particular focus on the things that affect parenting. Today we are talking about dealing with boredom, who you would have at your birth, worrying and what it takes to have a happy marriage. I do a massive job keeping them alive. I'm not going to climb up that slide and go down that slide and ruin my pants. Two nights ago, my daughter punched me in the face for a laugh. And then I just, I just, I spent the next half an hour making her feel better about punching me in the face. My wife and I have this great saying with each other, and that is, the days are long, but the years are short. The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Our mum today is nutritionist and presenter Zoe Bingley-Pullen. Her daughter's name is Emily. And although I've just been talking about the fact she's starting school, Mm. I can't remember if she's five or six. So she's six in March, Mm. which is sometimes this huge jump, I've got to say, because she was so little and divine and had this cute, you know, way of describing everything to me. And I kind of resonated with your introduction there because many times my daughter has reacted, punch slapped, and then you have to console them. So it's a big emotional journey that I'm going on with this almost six-year-old. <laughs> especially starting school. Um, yes. Our dad is meditation coach and founder of Busy Dads, Grant Linden. He has four kids, three boys and a girl aged 12, 10, 5 and 4. I got it. My girls, my daughter's starting school too. So ah, is so your nice. daughter starting primary and your son starting high school in the yeah. same year? Yeah. What does that feel so like? That's, that's cool. You know, my we call her the chook, my daughter. She's yes. she's a mini my wife. She's a mini Nessie, you know, she's she's a powerhouse and she's socially just super confident and she you know, she's either really upfront or she shuts down. Do you know what I mean? But she's got a couple of friends from daycare starting there as well. It's a small school. I think she's gonna be pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. about your son? Because high school's a whole new world. Yeah, look, I think he's kind of slightly nervous in regards to the social kind of plugging in, you know, but he does also have um, he went to a feeder school for the school and he's got some good mates there and he's got actually the best thing is he's got mates in upper years. Mm. So he's, oh, he's going to be the cool kid. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. friends yeah. in the older the years. Older kids. The older kids. The cool yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, he, he's also socially, he's pretty fluid and adaptive. So I, I'm pretty confident. So. Big, big year. All right, well, yeah. let's get stuck into our first question. What do you do when your child is bored? Hey, how do you get this thing to play blackjack? Stop that, you're hurting it. So how's it supposed to work? Well... Boring. Am I on the internet? No, you can only access Boring. If ever there was a character who has a short attention span, it has to be Bart Simpson. Although I have to say, um, he is quite inventive when it comes to being bored and needing to do things, whereas my son was as annoying as that clip yesterday. So I had to work from home yesterday and he was with me. He was like... Bart Simpson without the imagination to find something to do. I had all of the craft set up. I'd been to Kmart. I'd loaded up on the stuff he could do without my help. Got my computer out, got his paints out, everything. I'm like, I am rocking parenthood here. (laughs) And in, I'm not kidding you, an hour, he had gone through about four different Mm, things and was like, what do I do now? Mm. I was like, watch a movie. What do I do then? Um, um, I'm failing. Um, and I've got to say this week, Darren Levin wrote about this saying that boredom was a good thing Mm. Um, because we're at the end of the school holidays. People are getting a bit frustrated, children and parents. And, um, so I, this whole process of my son telling me how bored he was, I kept thinking in my head what Darren had written and I kept saying, well, you go and think of something. It, It 
it did not work. So mm. I am very curious, uh, Zoe, mm. do you plan to keep your child entertained? Because also you have one child. It's not like you can tell them to go no. play with their siblings. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot more intense, I think, for single parent, parents yeah. of single children. There's definitely pros and cons to having one child. Obviously, you can afford the time to spend with them, but then it really pisses you off because you need them to go and do their own thing sometimes <laughs> when you have to work. Mm. But I'm new to this game when it comes to school holidays. So I did not prepare myself correctly knowing that there was six weeks of holidays to actually fill. And as I spoke to one parent, what they said to me is they said, aim really low to begin with and just progressively work from there. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, you know, start them on the craft making or, you know, the little kind of card things or whatever it might be, and then go to Luna Park. Well, rookie era, I did it exactly the wrong way. So we had Luna Park and we had like all these crazy fun things, of uh, which has now petered out to I'm bored. So I did broach this conversation with Emily a couple of days and I just said, look, darling, what boredom actually is, is the opportunity for your brain to start being creative. So, you know, it's really your space that you need to start inventing. And what does that look like? So, you know, she's quite, she's quite good like that. She takes information on, I think. But we are a big user of bribing in our house, I've got to say. I'm first. <laughs> LOL has been very much the front line of our defence system. But also what has also worked well is obviously, you know, movies. But I'm right into, so this week, just to kind of keep us all sane, um, there was a big focus on starting kindergarten and her school had sent this great form out saying these are the things that they need to kind of understand. So we're kind of doing a daily tick off. We're also doing things like math sheet and um, ABC reading eggs, of which I'm happy for her to spend hours and she does I mean and again it's also incentivized by gold coins and fairy wings and sunglasses I just, they can I just buy. have to ask about yeah. the bribery part because I have no there's nothing wrong with it what are you talking about no no I have no problem with bribery apart from the fact that it does not work in my house anymore yes, so saying no. to my son you can watch a movie he's like so what? I watch movies all the time. I'm yeah. like, mm. okay, oh, you can have an ice block. Yeah. So we, we I have an ice block every day of the week. So we, in we fact, have... when Dad's got me, we have ice blocks <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So we definitely have the mum and dad situation, which is kind of skewed incorrectly. That, that is for sure. But um, yeah, bribery is a necessary tool. It only works to a certain it, level. I, and already, I've had lots of my friends saying that, you know, that's no longer. And as I said to Emily, I said, okay, bribe is good, but I don't want you to get, get addicted to the dopamine high. Right? So, <laughs> unlike your dad who does internet shopping, let's try to filter that away. I don't know. The, I la- really, the lab rats. Please give me some tools on this one too. Yeah, Grant, how does it work with your kids? So I always think about when I, I reference my mom a lot, right, because she mm. was old school, she was very strict, and we're known as the strict house as well, not that it always works, but... I remember my mum used to say, if I'd say I was bored, she goes, there's a stick, there's the backyard. Mm. Or we just spoke, I grew up in, you know, very leafy, bushy suburban areas. There's the bush, you know, and we'd go down to the bush first thing in the morning and we'd have to come back when the streetlights came on. We could see that from deep in the valley, right? Awesome. So I try and make that happen structurally in, in our home. So... Look, these holidays, I really feel everybody's pain as far as the end of the holiday pain because we did hit it pretty hard early as far as all the really extravagant things as well. But 
I just kind of fob them off a lot too. I'm just like, deal with it. Get, you know, like, you know. See, I feel bad when I tell them to deal with it. Oh, no, no, no. We're fortunate to have a, a pretty big backyard and we just got a puppy. Yeah. Right? Oh. So that's a Next really. Next holidays. Yeah. Isn't that's, that just another child though? Like with fur? <laughs> he's, well, he's pretty good actually. Like, what he kind was, is he? It's a cavoodle. <gasps> and he's, you know, like a the posted dog yeah, for cavoodles. Say, it's, it's super cute. It's, very typical dog to be having right now. Yeah. <laughs> Albeit very cute. Yeah, yeah. And he's super smart. You know? Yes. So, so he's a really good time waste, not time waste, but time investment for the kids. The challenge in my home is that I've got the five and the four-year-old have very, very different wants and needs to yes. the almost 11 and 12-year-old, right? So my 12-year-old is 12 going on 19. Mm-hmm. He can go surfing by himself. He can handle himself in the surf without any supervision, all that kind of stuff. So he can catch a bus and go and go surfing. My 11-year-old is not yet Mm. at that stage. So he needs that supervision and sort of management. Um, And the other two little dudes, you know, they're kind of just... They They need. They need ABC for kids. They need, (laughs) you know, bribery and incentive, you know. Yes, that's a better word. Incentive. Incentive. There we go. Take that one. Yeah. But to round it up, basically in our home, the little dudes work really well with being led by the big guys and the big guys get reward for being team leaders. Oh, I like that. For being the tribe leaders. All right. So next we're talking about uh, birthing suites and is it appropriate to have a two-year-old there? So a mum in the UK who had her two-year-old catch her little brother in a birthing pool, yes, literally reach out and grab the baby, has been criticised for abusing her daughter. Ariel Haynes had a home birth, and when her daughter, the little toddler, said she wanted to be there to help, Ariel said it was the most natural thing in the world to say yes. Ariel is a birth photographer, I think, so it was her world and what she did. I had to add, though, the little girl also stayed in the bath to help deliver the placenta what no mother wants to see ever, I've got to say. No. <laughs> Grand... Unless it's in little capsules. Uh, yeah, yes. or, or in a milkshake. Yeah. Oh. I, I still can't understand that. <laughs> I, get it, I get it nutritionally, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's the yeah, functionality yeah. of it I yeah. can't get. Oh, totally. So everyone has different responses to these things. Um, Grant, would you have other <laughs> children witness your partner in labour? How would you feel about someone that young being part of the process? I think it's unbelievably awesome. You know, I, I knew you were going to say that. I, I did lead you into it. It gave me, you know, I get goosebumps when I think about that stuff because it's so inclusive and they're still so close to source at two years old, you know, and they still have really, you know, in the fabric of their whole physiology and their emotional makeup, they're still so plugged into that essence, you know. So for them to be there, it's a really great conduit mm. between adults and that brand new beginning. And why mystify it? Why stand around and kind of do all that stuff that was so... My mum was involved in those days. She was a midwife. She delivered over like 5,000 children. She was involved in those days when they had to whisk the kids away and all that mm. stuff, right? Well, so, see, my question about it is not so much... I, I was really worried mm. about when I was pregnant with Arlo, my son, I was worried about Darcy, my daughter, seeing me in pain because I am not the quiet type right. when I'm in labour, very loud, very vocal. I don't think many and people she... are quiet in labour. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't met one yet. My, my best friend was so quiet in oh. labour. Her husband watched the Formula One on television. <laughs> oh, and, gosh. And ate <laughs> chips and she was like dying going, the smell was killing her. Oh. And all of the midwives thought she was fine because she was so quiet. She just mm. went in 
So I'm not one of those people that goes in. So I was worried. She'd never seen me in pain before. And I admit, I didn't realize just how little children care about your pain. You know, they don't notice it. No, it's temporary. Their pain is like a finger, Mm -hmm. a a paper cup on their finger and their Mm. world has ended. But they don't really connect with your pain. But Mm. at the time, I was very worried about her seeing that and that distressing her. And also, I didn't, I know that I wouldn't have been very conscious of her. while that was happening because I was just aware of what was happening with me. Um, What are your thoughts on it? I think that's the key element about it. I I think it's fantastic to have whomever you feel comfortable with and whoever feel and again you have to take you have to mitigate circumstances and understand where where is your volatility in all of this and the volatility of the the child but blindly putting a two-year-old into that environment that, that's not what happened. We know no. that's yeah. not what happened. Right? Yeah. So we know that there was midwives, carers, doulas, whomever it might be, that were there not only for the safety of mum, the new baby, but also for this tour. Because you don't go randomly going and putting a two-year-old in. You have a lot of thought. They can't and, swim for starters. Yes, well, there you go. There's a lot of thought and process to it. And I think that probably is the message that probably needs to be conveyed here yeah. is um, – if this is part of your birthing plan to in- be inclusive, as you said, and like I love that you said the fabric of life and and let them to see it because children they they get over stuff pretty quick. And the thing is, it's a wonderful opportunity to open that dialogue and say this is a different type of pain. This is a pain of pleasure. This is a pain that has a, don't worry, babe. I had a two day labour. Right? There was no. I came into the hospital mooing like a cow and just said, give me every effing drug under the sun. That was not my birth plan. I was like, give it to me, give it to yeah, me, yeah. give it to me. So that's how I ended up having Emily. But, you know, I, I do think if that's part of your birthing plan, then putting that into the actual plan itself is a wonderful idea. But again, sum up on the day. It's the best kept secret about parenting that you won't fully understand until you have that little baby in your arms. We'll find out what it is next on the Parent Panel. Honey, who do we call? What do we do? There's no way Haley's married. Then why did she change her Facebook status? She probably didn't. It could be a computer glitch. Someone hacked her account. I just think we should stay calm until we know the story. Honey, I cannot get on a plane for four hours and be out of touch and not know what happened. So that's Claire Dumpy from Modern Family. And in that episode, Haley and her mum had had a fight and then Haley, being the eldest daughter, disappeared and her mum was like stalking her on social media and calling all the family and trying to work out where she was, thinking she'd eloped in Vegas, which she hadn't. And it sort of ties into this story um, Jenna Price, the writer Jenna Price, um, put out this week on Sydney Morning Herald about the constant worry that is Mm. one, she says, one of parenting's best kept secret. Mm. So, you know, once you have a child, you basically never stop worrying about them. And it could be in the first year you're worried about cot death or croup or or the strange rash on their face. And then as they get older, it will transfer into the next thing, whether it's starting school, Mm. will they make friends, are they eating veggies, all that sort of thing. And Jenna says it's been this way since the beginning of time. Let's start the generation before. Zoe, did does your mother still worry about you? Um, And then we'll move on to your daughter. Um. (laughs) <laughs> such a layered question. <laughs> yes. So does my mum worry about me? Uh, probably not because my mum worries more about herself, <laughs> to be really honest. But uh, she definitely worried a lot about me. I was not a good girl. I was the one who was disappearing 
at 13, 14, going out all night. I really, I, I'm so sorry, my mum. Well, it's and too I'm, late now because your daughter's is calm as coming Karmically, to karmically. Thank Christ my husband was an angel and, you know, was, didn't do anything till he was 18. So I'm hoping. But I think the thing is instinctively we, we worry because that's the way we actually look at our environment better. It sensitises us. I mean, women have higher peripheral vision because, again, we were built to actually worry. I think we need to probably change the term and make, make us look at adrenally responsive as opposed to worry. Concerned. Concerned. But um, to take... Concern into the absolute next level. I went through a period when I first had Emily, thinking that my house was going to sink into a sinkhole. Okay, so that but was is, that likely to happen? No, <laughs> it was never like. It was just that we live in Bondi and it used to be a swamp area, and so and I tried to reinsure my house and they wouldn't take it. We had this particular insurance coming, so it kind of goes to show how how we can morph from worry into anxiety, and so this is why shows and conversations like this is really pivotal because we need to actually converse and explain that worry is normal try and put into place like meditation which i'm sure you've got a plethora of great examples of what Mm. to do but Mm. you know to put that worry in its place as opposed to have it you know develop into something more like anxiety and sinkholes and sinkholes yes that's true well grant that raises an interesting question um you're probably not the right person to ask because you are the most chilled out person I know man or woman Um, but I'm wondering if it is something that is inherently female in Mm. the sense of being biologically wired to worry as the mother Um, and I wonder if you've had any experience with that or were you just always floating on a cloud no 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 look I, I really love this topic because I thought about it very very deeply my wife is such a great example of this worry thing that women do. I, look, I think it, you can suffer from it. I'll say suffer from it, you mm. know, because my mum, I remember getting home. I remember knowing my mum would be lying in bed with her eyes mm. wide open until that front door shut and I was in the house, mm. right? And if it was party season, cold sores would appear because she'd just be oh. worrying herself oh. stupid, right? And I was the baby and the only boy. I've thought about this greatly. So my wife worries so much like that atypical woman worry, mum worry. She's got these little things that she does. She won't mind me saying. She does this thing where she kind of catches the worry, the, the, the worried thought, and then she goes... She blows it off like this. Oh, this little, I love it. It's quite elegant, and you know. Oh, um, I'm definitely using that. And, and it's this catch and release thing. Time. You'll be hyperventilating. Right? <laughs> That's it's kind of it's me doing it in such a clunky way. She does it so beautifully, yeah. you know. But and and it's really gorgeous. It's like it's almost like that thing, you know, that cutting ties thing you do yeah. before you go to sleep. Yeah. It's like that for her, you know. It really, really works mm. for her. But she has outrageous worries, like crocodiles going to come in the night and take the kids mm. and stuff. Right? So like sinkholes. <laughs> Sinkholes. And, oh, and I actually feel much better. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you're you. Not, you're not alone. Oh, but but my worries as a dad are very very different. Mm, you know, course. mine aren't safety worries. You know, mm. like you know, this is like reaching out and grabbing the kids before they walk towards something that could be a possible danger. And I'm like, let them go and do that thing. And if they fall over, that's really cool. And they'll learn and all that kind of stuff. My worries are different. My worries are more social worries, Mm. especially for the older boys who I know are going into those socially dangerous categories. I think it's interesting because when I've (laughs) talked to my husband about it before, Mm. um, I was saying the way I explain it is that I feel like 
I'm maybe I'm too empathetic. So I feel mm. like I'm walking in my child's shoes that mm. first day of school or when mm. it's drop off and their friends aren't there. And I feel responsible for every emotion they feel. Yeah. I know that's not healthy, but mm-hmm. that's how I feel. Whereas my husband is the opposite. Like he has such confidence that they that we've done a good job. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there going, I'm, I'm really not sure. <laughs> I, I think maybe they're going to need therapy later and it's all my fault. Whereas he's like, they're good kids. Uh, yeah. They're good kids. They'll be okay. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm, and he lets them go. He has mm. less um, attachment in that way, emotional attachment. Whereas I can listen to that and feel better hearing it from him. But I will be, and I don't necessarily vocalize it to the kids. I don't hover over them, Mm. but I will leave them at the school gate when they've been crying and I will carry that with me through the day. It's quite interesting what what it is you do because I find it, in earlier days, I think having done IVF for six years, by the time I had this child, I was like, yes, and I really didn't sweat the small stuff. I, mm. I absolutely didn't. I like, I didn't think she was going to die from that. It was, it was the more that my anxiety came with trying to do the things. I kind of was like, how do I, how do I kind of like take them to this thing and do that as well? And like, how do I fit this all in? How do I give them this perfect opportunity? Because in my head, I was trying to not be the molly coddler, but I was still trying to lay out this platform for design their, the life, design sort of the life yeah. in fact. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got some great advice, you know, one of the pieces of advice my um, sister-in-law said to me when Emily went to school, she goes, Zoe, it's, it's their turn to have friends and fuck up, basically. You know, it's their turn. So just take a step back and let it, let it evolve, you know. And the school Emily goes to, they, they have this thing called wild, wild Time. And it's, it's the childhood that you and I have, but we now, I now have to pay for, which is not quite, <laughs> which is not quite you know, but anyway, whatever the it might be. The teacher throws mud at them and sticks at them. <laughs> it pretty much, it pretty much almost is exactly that. So they go into this, this area, which is just like bushland, and they walk in there. And the one thing that you're not allowed to say is be careful. Or watch Ooh, that. I love that. So they have to learn the consequences of falling down and mitigating and, and creating their own personal buffer and being responsive to the environment they're in. And I think it's so I think if we could get our children maybe and, and we could watch this and see this a little bit more because again, it's the world that we live in. We just don't have the abundance of, of we've got very controlled play environment as opposed to let it rip, see what happens kind of play, Mm -hmm. which I think as a parent gives us a level of confidence in our child's ability, Mm. particularly as, as they get older as well. So I'm feeling a lot safer, but to answer your question, I think it's all dads. Michael's like, this is so easy. We have got the best daughter. I'm like, fuck, I'm scared every second that something bad's going to happen. Like, you know. Yeah. All right. Our last topic in just a moment, the secret to a happy marriage. Having caught a look at some happy snaps Barack Obama posted to Instagram of his wife on her birthday, writer Casey Edwards mused that the secret to a happy marriage is teamwork. So the Obamas have always had united goals, whether it was Obama becoming president or now they've apparently formed some production company. And Casey talked about her own working relationship, writing books with her husband, Grant, what do you think is the secret to a happy marriage? Would you apply this teamwork yeah. Principle to your own marriage? We do, yeah, yeah. And really for the first time for me, you know, in a <clears throat> in a proper grown-up world, you know, starting life as a musician and ending up as a performing artist, as an actor and a voice artist and all the other stuff that I do, you know, I've, I've always had the person that's like, well, get back to me when you get a real job or, you know. <laughs> so to have someone who 200% supports mm. me 
creatively and professionally is amazing. And both, we do both, you know, know, she runs her own business and she's very busy and she still works as an actor. So it's it's crazy busy with all different types of timetables in our house. If we didn't support each other Mm. that way, it would not happen. The other thing that we do, and I've spoken about this before, is that we do morning, we share mornings. So it'll be like, I have Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturday mornings. Oh, that's a good idea. And she has Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings she doesn't really get because it's nippers, you know. But <laughs> but that was probably one of the best relationship maintenance or relationship mm. savers that we ever implemented because there was none of that. That you know when you're really under the pump and you just you haven't had you haven't come up for air. I, the first thing I found myself doing is really niggling for, oh, what about my time and my mm. needs and yeah, me, exactly. me, 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 That stuff creeps in, right? Mm, the resentment. Totally, right? Mm. So if you've had that, you know, if you want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go down south for a surf, but you have to be back by 7.30, you can do whatever you want that morning. You can sleep in if mm. you want, if you can, with a puppy and four kids yes. jumping on the end of the bed. <laughs> uh, but that, those two things for me, having, you know, my wife say to me, you know, I 100% back you and I think you should do you should do it just go mm. for it you know and it's just like wow and it's amazing how that really propels me to really back myself for that whatever increment of not backing myself was present for me then to properly launch confidently and then it's amazing as as the whole family momentum then goes forward like that that's really really powerful mm. you know what do you think Zoe? so I think um for Michael and I if to look at it it's been a gradual process I think you know I, I that first two years I definitely I, I not that I wanted Emily all to myself but there wasn't a lot of inclusive elements which again I think kind of fostered a little bit of distance between Michael and I um, and just didn't quite know what to do but as Emily's got older our parenting skills have become quite you know they've, they've, there's a beautiful balance to it as well I mean Michael gets up at 4 30 every morning and trains and home and then I go and train or whatever there's a lot of flexibility in that and I think as a result Emily kind of sees this partnership working well but we also have a very clear rule I'm I, I don't care being the bad person and daddy can be the good person I have no problem because the greater good is Emily right but if I am getting to the point where she's not listening to me I want more what Michael does he'll come down on Hemley hard he'll be like that's not appropriate let's go you know, he time backs out you. he backs me because what we need to display to Emily is a united front. But also the messaging is a lot clearer when I've been sitting there for like half an hour, you know, saying the same thing over and over again, when one person with a clearer voice comes in and says no. So that's worked really, really well for us as well. The other thing personally for me, I mean, my husband's 50, I'm 41. What I've definitely known about the character of my nature is I need space and so does my husband. So I often will travel on my own. He will often travel on his own as well. And over the course of time, it was a bit, I was a bit scared by this to begin with. I was like, oh, what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to do something wrong or I'm going to do something wrong? Or am I going to like this too much? Or am I going to change as a person? But what I've really noticed is that we are so gorgeous to each other when we are in, you know, not what it sounded a bit bad, when we're in different places. <laughs> <laughs> but what, it, what often happens is that there's not the influence of cleaning and school lunches and all these things. When we are on the phone to each other, and it might just be a week in Queensland or what, you know, I've got friends in Mullumbim on Noosa. So I often, I try and get up there every six weeks just to have some decompression time. But our conversations are really lovely. And I've just, I've grown on this and nourished this. So I think space 
is, but it has to be a conversation. You kind of can't just jump into space because it can See be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause it can be quite scary. For, and one person probably going, yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. So I think that that is part of my nature. The other thing also, when I'm at home, I don't get space there and I don't care what anybody says. I don't get any space. Uh, I've tried to create little sanctuaries. It doesn't work. No, right? it, totally it doesn't, doesn't work. work and I'm not going to kind of pretend my exercise and my work, they're not space either. No. I, you know, they're not that. My exercise is because, you know, I've suffered depression before. It's my mental health outlet. And my work is the thing that makes money for me. Fortunately, I happen to love it a lot. But they're not space either. So for mm. me, I need to get out of my environment to have my space as well. Mm. So that's probably the key thing that's worked really well and the defined roles in the good cop, bad cop scenario with Michael and I. And it does sound like what both of you are saying is actually... Um, giving your partner time. So yeah. when children come along, that resent. I think a lot of people will understand that feeling of resentment that it's tit for tat. Also, mm-hmm. you had a night out. I need a night yeah. out. You yeah. slept in. I need to sleep in. Yeah. But if you change the dynamic and all of a sudden you're giving someone mm. time, mm. which is not, you know, before you had kids, you didn't give each other time. No, time exactly. was just time and yeah. you took it when you, you didn't needed it. didn't have to worry it. about things. Time didn't have like, you went by the seconds. Like no. You so you, and you owned it. Mm. But when you have kids in that responsibility, you feel like you need to ask for time. Mm. Mm. So when one of the partner gives it to you, then it's a lot easier to give yeah. back and it just switches the mm. way you look at that. And I always mm. found it quite funny because Michael would be like, look, I've had a night out, you go out. I was like, I don't want a night out, I want sleep. <laughs> like, you know, I want you to get out of the house for a second. Take everybody and, and go. Take everybody. I want to have a bath. You know, it became so little. So, I, yeah, and look, the resentment was definitely there and I don't want any, I don't want to kind of spray disillusion onto this, this topic. Yes. There was a lot of resentment that I felt in the first couple of years, but again, I think every person needs to understand that it's just a slow... I mean... Well, Grant only learnt because he did it one time and (laughs) he he had a second crack at it. So this perfect being you see here has been formed because of... Through mistakes, through learning. But all that structure too, which is really, really great and respectful Mm. and everything like that too, that all falls apart too, right? Like, holy moly, you know, all you got to do is put extra pressure of, you know, I also have my elder two from another marriage you know so mm. that's an element in yeah. my blended family that can also add pressure to the to the pressure cooker and everything like that so when it really really works it really works and when it really doesn't the skateboard is wobbling and you're going to graze mm. your knees down that hill yeah you know but i think the really great thing is that it has to get messy and it's about that thing about it's really healthy for your kids mm. to see you fighting mm. as long as they see the resolve Outcome-based, you know yeah. and, and, so and the result being you make up not yes. that yeah you. yeah, yeah, yeah so. <laughs> i never <laughs> exactly. Dad, dad lives in the Bahamas now. Uh, but that, that thing, for them to see this, you know, like it's like, because the thing I notice about school holidays is that because there's such a lack of routine, that's wow. when they go n- oh, nuts. Nuts. Right? But mm, as soon as you plug back into the routine, no. mm. as soon as the routine's back in place, they feel that safety and mm. that security. And then it's just like, it's like, oh my God, mm. it's so much easier. All right, well, look, before we wrap up, as we must do, um, I do see if anything's going on Mm -hmm. that people would like to talk about, anything coming up that you'd like to... I've got um, a couple of things coming up. So I've got a new online program. So we, um, I had my old eight-week Falling in Love with pro- falling in love with Food program. And what we realised is that the thing that kind of kept disrailing or um, taking people out of their ability to keep going forward in health was that they didn't have the food. So I've worked, I'm working now with a company called Dietlicious and we've created a, a four-week program where you get meals, plus you get meditation, strength weight, Pilates, cooking classes. Cool. And 
and it's all bundled into one program as well. So you can go to my website, Zoe. Bingley is it bad Pullen. that the best well thing about that I feel is that they deliver the meal oh, and you don't have it's, it's the best so the, thing. The, the cooked meal, <laughs> the cooked meal, wow, it's all done. So seven seven <clears throat> uh, meals and seven snacks. So it's not there to take away the learning process, but it's there when you know Uber Eats was. Got to be on your speed, darling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Through the app. But yeah. I love it. Yeah. Grand, have you got anything coming up with Busy I do. Dads? I've got lots of stuff going on um, that I've kind of just sat down and and, uh, and done my attack list, I'll call it. Well, like I've just that. started yeah. a new podcast called The Defiance Code, and it's myself and um, Stephen Anderton. He's another... He's like a national um, master's Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion oh, at the age of 53. And... It's all about being dangerous and defiant. So, you know, at an age where most guys our age, I'm 47, are starting to wind down and sort of give up a little bit. It's about people who are doing stuff and staying dangerous and fit and healthy Mm. and conscious. Uh, So I'm really excited about the Defiance Code. We're going to publish probably early February and the Busy Dads podcast starts soon as well. Oh, wow. You you are busy. And the Busy Dads podcast is going to be great. There's going to be a a lot of stuff around birthing for blokes as well. So um, birth education for men. Uh, and there's also going to be a lot of relationship stuff and men sharing their stories. Oh, it's so. very exciting. Okay, well, I'll put links. I'll get those links from all of Fantastic. you. Fantastic. All of you, both of you, and put a, them in the notes of this episode. Thank you both so much for coming in. Thanks Thank you, Siobhan. Us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Siobhan Hunt, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and produced by me, Siobhan Hunt. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au forward slash parent panel. Listener.